0: This is Spacetime, Series 24, Episode 125, for broadcast on the 3rd of November 2021. Coming up on Spacetime, new studies suggest the early solar system harbored a gap between its inner and outer regions, growing calls for a manned scientific base on the lunar surface, and Ariane 5 sets a new record on its latest launch. All that and more coming up on Spacetime.
1: Welcome to Spacetime with Stuart Gary.
0: Astronomers have discovered an ancient gap in the protoplanetary disk which coalesced to form our solar system 4.6 billion years ago. The findings reported in the journal Science Advances are based on a new analysis of ancient meteorites. It suggests that a mysterious gap existed around 4.567 billion years ago, roughly where the main asteroid belt is today, between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter. One of the study's authors, Benjamin Weiss from MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, says over the past decade, observations have shown that cavities, gaps and rings are common in protoplanetary disks around young stars. These are important but poorly understood signatures of the physical processes by which molecular clouds of gas and dust condense to form stars and planets. But the exact cause of this gap in our early solar system remains a mystery. One possibility is that the gas giant Jupiter, our king of planets, may have been an influence. As Jupiter took shape, its immense gravitational pull could have pushed gas and dust towards the outskirts of the solar system, leaving behind a gap in the developing disk. But another explanation has to do with the winds emerging from the surface of the protoplanetary disk. See, early planetary systems are governed by strong magnetic fields. When these fields interact with a rotating disk of gas and dust, they can produce winds powerful enough to blow material out, leaving behind a gap in the disk. Regardless of its origins, a gap in the early solar system likely served as a sort of cosmic boundary, keeping material on either side from interacting. And this physical separation could have shaped the composition of the solar system's planets. For instance, on the inner side of the gap, gas and dust coalesced as the terrestrial planets Mercury, Venus, Earth and Mars. While gas and dust relegated to the farther side of the gap formed in icier regions, as the gas and ice giants Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus and Neptune. So this would have provided a boundary between the inner and outer solar system, with a planet needing a lot of external torque and momentum in order to cross the gap. The new findings are based on the discovery of a curious split in the composition of meteorites which have made their way to Earth. These space rocks originally formed at different times and locations as the solar system was taking shape. Those that have been analysed exhibit one of two isotopic combinations. In fact, rarely have meteorites been found to exhibit both, a conundrum which has become known as isotopic dichotomy. And this dichotomy may well be the result of a gap in the early solar system's protoplanetary disk. Weiss and colleagues analysed meteorites for science of magnetic fields. As a young planetary system takes shape, it carries with it a magnetic field. And the strength and direction of that field can change depending on various processes within the evolving disk. As ancient dust gathered into tiny grains known as chondrules, electrons within these chondrules aligned with the magnetic field in which they formed. The authors had previously analysed samples from one of the two isotopic groups of meteorites. These ones, known as non-carbonaceous, are thought to have originated close to the sun. The new research looked at whether the magnetic field would be the same in the second isotopic group, known as carbonaceous meteorites, which are thought to have originated further out in the solar system. Surprisingly, the authors found that the field strength was stronger than for the non-carbonaceous meteorites previously measured, in fact about 100 microteslas compared to a field of 50 microteslas. As young planetary systems are taking shape, scientists expected the strength of the magnetic field would decay with distance from the sun. A planetary system's magnetic field is a measure of its accretion rate, or the amount of gas and dust it can draw into its centre over time. Based on the carbonaceous chondral's magnetic field, the solar system's outer region must have been accreting much more mass than the inner region. The most likely explanation for this mismatch in accretion rates is the existence of a gap between the inner and outer regions, which could have reduced the amount of gas and dust flowing towards the sun from the outer regions. This is space time. Still to come. Growing calls for a manned scientific base on the lunar surface, and Europe's Ariane 5 sets a new launch record on its latest flight. All that and more still to come. On space time. meeting of 350 astronomers and gravitational wave scientists have agreed to support proposals for the development of a manned scientific observatory on the lunar surface. The first international workshop on gravitational wave detection on the moon brought together leading experts in the field of gravitational wave physics, planetary sciences and lunar exploration. They discussed the geophysical properties of the Moon and the opportunities a lunar observatory would provide for research into fundamental physics and astronomy. Discussions highlighted the possibility that a gravitational wave detector on the Moon could provide a more complete understanding of where gravitational waves come from. And the orbit of the Moon around the Earth would significantly increase the ability to triangulate the position of those sources. Turning our moon into a resonant antenna for messages from across the universe would be an historical achievement. The workshop's co-chair, Karen Jani from Vanderbilt University, says lunar gravitational wave detectors could probe some of the most important questions about the universe, from the nature of the mysterious force called dark energy through to the birth of the very first stars, ending the cosmic dark ages. He says many of the technologies needed for this kind of research are already being developed by space agencies and major private companies. The meeting comes in the wake of growing efforts by NASA and the European Space Agency to return humans to the lunar surface and use the Moon as a jumping-off point for deep space missions to Mars and beyond. Jani believes science is now at the dawn of a new space age, with the Moon at the centre of campaigns in coming years. He says opportunities for breakthrough science exist through partnerships with other future detectors. Yanni believes it's only a matter of time before graduate students start taking shifts on the moon.
2: The idea is to put a gravitational wave facility uh, that can see this whole dark side of the universe that we had not seen as 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 a civilization. We figured out that the moon is perhaps the best place in our solar system to actually find that. So the idea is to, uh, you know go to the Moon, return back, build facility there and detect gravitational waves. The Moon is almost like a natural place meant to detect gravitational waves. The environment there itself is vacuum, so you could put something on the surface and still have better vacuum than the best we have on Earth. On top of that, Uh, there is no environmental um, disturbances like we don't get wind we don't have lightning we don't have earthquakes and we have moonquakes but they're not so strong and often we are pretty in a in a secured location once we put there the final benefit as of now is there is no human noise i mean we don't have heavy machineries there we don't have aeroplanes and helicopters or trucks going around so wherever we put our instrument it is going to have like this uh, sort of spiritual quietness needed to detect uh, gravitational waves. It is in coming years. It is possible to have infrastructure on the moon in the same scale as we have at some more challenging locations on Earth. Let's say the South Pole, you know, where we have a particular science laboratories there. The United States has a big presence. In the same sense, we hope to have Moon as a place where you know. Not that we want to go often, but at least we could have scientific instruments. So once we overcome this barrier of landing on the moon, there is a whole new window that opens for our civilization uh, to probe the laws of the universe.
0: That's Karan Jani from Vanderbilt University. And this is Space Time. Still to come, Europe's Ariane 5 sets a new launch record on its latest flight. And later in the science report... A new study has warned that average life expectancy is declining in several English communities. All that and more still to come on Space Time. The European Ariane 5 rocket has launched its heaviest payload yet into geostationary orbit. Mission VA255 blasted off from the European Space Agency's Kourou spaceport in French Guiana, carrying the SES 17 and Syracuse 4A telecommunications satellites, which have a combined mass of
3: 10,263 kilograms. Six, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three. 2, 1, top Allumage moteur Vulcain. Allumage des deux EAP et décollage VA255.
1: And five has just and successfully completed its liftoff. Other no. equally important steps are still to come. These include the separation of the two satellites on board, Syracuse 4A and SES-17, which should reach their geostationary position in about 30 minutes. Is that correct, David?
3: Yes, that's right.
1: David, you are also connected with Curuvir and Earpiece, where the CVI transmits all the information concerning the evolution of the emission. What is the CVI and, and how does it work?
3: Yes, uh, I have a, a direct link with the CVI, team, uh, a team located in Kourou, who receives the real-time flight data sent by the launcher to the, the tracking stations. And uh, right now they confirm that all the parameters are are as expected. These parameters include the altitude, the velocity, the engine parameters.
1: So at two minutes. 19 seconds from liftoff. The CVI should announce, am I right, the separation of the boosters? Is that the first thing? Yes, How that's right. How important is this step for the mission, David? The no mission.
3: Yes, in a few seconds, the, the booster separation should take place. The uh, launcher will have gone through most through the most stressful part of the launch
1: Stressful and,
3: yeah. Yes in terms of mechanical loads dynamic pressure and the booster separation will be at around 65 kilometers and travelling at the speed of max 6.5 so it should come up in just a few seconds
1: yep, we've seen it, uh, Yes
3: we have the confirmation brilliant. of the separation yes
1: Okay so this stage is the first of many and in a few seconds Ariane will be at an altitude of 110 kilometers, and the DDO will then be announcing the separation of the fairing. What can you tell us about this particular stage, David?
3: Yes, so at 110 km altitude, the atmosphere has become really thin, only a few air particles remain. So at this point, the fairing, which is there to protect the satellites from the atmosphere, the heat and the sound that lift off, and during the ascent, is no longer needed. So it is jettisoned to to save weight. So this again should uh, happen in just about 10 seconds.
1: This is an important moment as well. Well, every stage is important, every phase. We're just waiting now, a couple of seconds, for the separation of the fairing. Separation there nominal. we go.
3: Separation. Separation de la so and we have the confirmation from confirmation.
1: the video as well. So by separating from its fairing, Ariane 5, what, will now be approximately two tons lighter, which is a significant weight in flight. The trajectoire nominal. SES 17, one of the two satellites launched tonight, had a launch mass of more than six tons, and it is one of the 10 heaviest telecommunication satellites launched by mass since its creation. Yes, that's right, yeah. So at this stage of the launch, we have a launcher that weighs what and is traveling at what speed?
3: Well, in terms of mass, the launcher was about 780 tons at liftoff. Right now, we have only about 149 tons left, and the speed is about 2.7 kilometers per second, which is about a third of what we need to reach at the end of the flight, we will be about 9.3 kilometres per second. The 6,411 kilogram SES-17
0: built by Alenia Space was the first to be deployed. The satellite will provide almost 200 ka-band spot beams of mixed sizes, providing broadband coverage over the Americas, the Caribbean and the Atlantic Ocean, with special optimization for commercial aviation. It was followed minutes later by the deployment of the 3,853-kilogram French military Syracuse 4A communications satellite. Syracuse 4A will provide secure communications between French armed forces and will also support NATO and European-led operations. Both satellites carry enough fuel for a designed service life of 15 years. The launch marked the 111th mission for the Ariane 5 rocket. Its next flight will launch the James Webb Space Telescope. This is Space Time. And time now to take another brief look at some of the other stories making news in science this week with a science report. A new study has shown that a substantial number of English communities experienced a decline in life expectancy between 2010 and 2019. That's prior to the spread of COVID-19. The findings reported in the Lancet Medical Journal show that in the five years before the pandemic, that's 2014 through to 2019, life expectancy went down in almost one in five British communities for women and one in nine for men. The researchers from Imperial College London also found that communities with the lowest life expectancy, below 70 and 75 years for men and women respectively, were typically situated in urban areas in the north of England. Declines in life expectancy used to be rare in wealthy countries like the UK, and it usually only happened when there were major incidents like wars or pandemics. So, although recent data from the Office of National Statistics found that life expectancy for men in the UK had fallen for the first time in 40 years due to the China virus, the new research shows that life expectancy was already declining in many communities years before the current pandemic began. Communities with the lowest life expectancy were typically located in urban areas in the north, including Leeds, Newcastle, Manchester, Liverpool and Blackpool. On the other hand, communities with the highest life expectancy in the UK were often based in London and the surrounding home counties. A new study shows that a fatty acid found in plants, including soybeans, nuts, canola oils and flaxseed, is associated with a lower risk of death. The findings, reported in the British Medical Journal, are based on 41 studies looking at a polyunsaturated fatty acid known as alpha-leolinic acid and how its consumption affected the risk of death from all causes, including heart disease and cancer. Researchers say a high intake of alpha-leolinic acid was associated with a 10% lower risk of all-cause death, an 8% lower risk of cardiovascular disease, and an 11% lower risk of coronary heart disease. However, the researchers also found the risk of cancer appeared to be slightly higher, and so more research is needed to clarify this aspect. Archaeologists have uncovered a unique second temple-era purple and lilac amethyst seal at a dig site near the western wall, or wailing wall, of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The impressive 10mm oval seal, which would have been worn as a ring, bears the image of a dove and a branch of a persimmon plant. The use of seals became common in Israel towards the end of the second Jewish temple period some 2,000 years ago, usually depicting vines, dates, and olives. Persimmon plants were one of the ingredients used for incense produced for the ancient Jewish temple, as well as for medicines, ointments, and perfumes. Bible commentators say persimmon was also one of the gifts given by the Queen of Sheba to King Solomon, who built the first Jewish temple in Jerusalem 3,000 years ago. And the Dove, well, it was a positive motif in Hellenistic, Roman and Jewish worlds, symbolising happiness, goodness and success. A widespread malware campaign is silently injecting ads into search results affecting multiple browsers, exposing the attacker's intent to infect as many internet users as possible. With the details, we're joined by technology editor Alex Saharov-Reut from ITY.com. Yeah, Microsoft has put out its
4: defender research team a warning that there is a new malware threat called AdRozek, and this is targeting Microsoft Edge, Google Chrome, the Yandex browser from Russia, and Mozilla Firefox. And what it's doing is it's taking over the ads that normally you would see from Google or from other ad providers, and it's putting its own ads in there. Obviously, that is capturing a lot of the ad revenue from you know that people are seeing and also, through advertising affiliate programs uh, but also it's got malware on your computer it's modifying the DLL files from your browser is modifying the browser files and obviously these days the bad guys are trying to get past the uh, different anti-malware programs that are out there uh, because you know if they can if they can capture uh, even a tiny percentage of the enormous traffic on the internet they can make a lot of money so clearly this is a warning that you know a lot of people I come across their computers and I see they have weird pop-ups I have a look in Google Chrome and I see weird extensions that they're unaware that are there and they're not running something like malware bytes or you know they're not running the latest internet security software now Microsoft is saying that its own Windows Defender can handle this but personally I'd be getting something like malware bytes, whether the free version or the paid version that proactively targets these sorts of things. And I'd be running a you know a, as clean a computer as possible with as few extensions as possible. I know people love to put extensions to the up the wazoo in uh, Firefox and Fiery and Chrome. I like to run no extensions, very few extensions, you know, basically none, because that way your browser experience is fast and clean, and you avoid weird pop-ups and these weird ads and uh, just the consequences of having malware in your computer. I mean, the big threat is. going to to be the exfiltration of data which will then be held to ransom so not only will the bad guys be encrypting your computer and demanding a ransomware but they'll also steal the data off your computer and then contact you and this is normally for companies not for individuals but they'll say look we've got your customer databases we have your IP pay us even more money or we'll release this and embarrass you so it's very very important to make sure you have as much security software on your computer as possible I mean without going overboard you don't want to have every single program out there but certainly a good internet security program but isn't
0: there also a problem when you have conflicts with other security programs? Look, I mean, you definitely don't want to have Norton and
4: Trend or Norton Kaspersky. You want to just have one internet security program. But I've found a good combination is to have one of those internet security programs and also Malwarebytes. And Malwarebytes, I put it on many people's computers and you go and have a look later on at what it was able to find. And it's incredible the browser exploits that this detects and stops that I only see things like Norton or other security programs getting some of the time. Malwarebyte seems to be a great companion program. I mean, even though Microsoft is saying that their software can detect this new AdRosec malware, I certainly wouldn't be relying upon the built-in security of uh, Windows. And in fact, I'd be getting a Mac. I mean, I stopped using Windows about a decade ago. Oh, really? And, uh, you know, well, in 2011, I got a Mac. And as they say, once you go Mac, you don't go
1: back.
0: That's Alex Saharov-Royt from ITY.com.